passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another episode of Thunderstruck, our look back at the uh, life and career and matches of Wang Jishin, Thunder Liger, taking a look at some of his most memorable matches, singles and tags, and uh, today we're going to have a tag match to talk about. And uh, joining me today, I'm very excited, my first time talking with this person, uh, they are the hosts of Wrestling Omakaze over at VoicesOfWrestling.com, one of the most comprehensive podcasts about the entire scene of Japanese professional wrestling, covering everything from New Japan all the way down to some of the smaller indies. Uh, joining me today is John Carroll. John, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, just had a long day at work, but I'm ready here tonight to talk some Jushin Thunder Liger. That's awesome. So for people who might not be familiar with you, let, let's talk about your fandom uh, in wrestling and how you got interested in Japanese professional wrestling and kind of what, what Jushin Liger kind of means to you as a fan. Right. So I, I, the first time, believe it or not, this is, I, I love telling my fandom story because no one like people kind of can't believe it. The first wrestling show I ever went to was WrestleMania 10 in Madison square garden, but I was eight years old or no, I was seven years old, not even eight yet. And I didn't really understand what was going on around me. So like I have, I've, I have very few memories of the show. I only went because like uh, my older cousin was like a huge, huge WWF fan at the time. And, you know, he just kind of talked, I guess his dad and my dad, and they did like a whole big thing of it. But yeah, I mean, I have very few memories of that show and I really wasn't even a fan uh, as a, a seven year old at the time. But that, that was like my first exposure into wrestling. And I think like when I really started watching like on my own without it being like just, you know, this thing my cousin was really into was like, um, you know, NWO era WCW when I really got into like, I think the first episode I ever saw was actually Thunder and then like really got into Nitro after that in 98. And then it became like a debate with me and uh, my cousin, which was better. Uh, which, you know, he quickly won because WCW was kind of already going down at that point. But, uh, like, how I got into Japanese wrestling was, you know, a pretty, like, three or four years later, I want to say, like, very start of 2002, uh, I was going to these indie shows in New Jersey called Jersey All Pro Wrestling, which, you know, was a company at the time that used to book, uh, you know, like, Low Key and Homicide and, you know, that whole crew. And... You know, one of the there was like a table there called uh, Mayfield Mayhem, 
which was run by a a man. I, I forget his first name, but his last name was Mayfield. And, you know, he did these tours of Japan. Um, you know, he did like he was a very into Japanese wrestling. He had these this huge like table full of, uh, uh, you know, Japanese tapes because this was still, you know, the era of VHS tapes. And, you know, the first tape I ever bought was um, this wrestling, this tape that he sold that was like the Wrestling Observer, like 1995, I want to say, match of the year. And it had like a Manami Toyota match on there, uh, along with like a, um, I, I guess like that, the Sean and Razor like ladder match two or something. And, you know, that was probably the first Japanese wrestling match I ever saw. And then I got really into he he sold these he sold a, a T2P tape you know which is the Toriyaman 2000 project and you know I got really into that and I was watching a lot of uh, you know I started buying a lot of Toriyaman from him and then I went from that to you know Noah and New Japan and All Japan and pretty much everything and then I got lucky enough to live near like a Japanese uh, like a supermarket for Japanese immigrants and which had like a like like a video rental store in the, in the middle, in this, you know, like in the middle of it. And they would carry like all the Japanese wrestling TV, you know, for people who I guess were recent immigrants to America to keep up with Japanese television. So I just used to go there and, you know, rent out all these at this point. Now they were, they were switching over to DVDs and I would rent out all these DVDs. And that's how I would keep up with uh, Japanese wrestling for years and years until we finally hit like, you know, the, the, the download era of like, you know, like when, this strong style spirit board used to have like a form that you, it was like a secret form that like they would post show downloads on there. I think that's the first time I remember downloading anything online. So yeah, I've been watching this stuff for, I guess like 18 years now, which is so long, but I mean, that's pretty much how I got into Japanese wrestling. Well, the, the Japanese supermarket that carries like the tapes and later on the DVDs of Japanese television shows is very key to many people's fandom. If you're lucky enough to live in like a major metropolitan city like myself with the, you know, Toronto, we had those as well. And when I discovered that, I was like, I, I my mind melted. Literally, I was like, oh, my God, I can I can rent these every week and, and they're not even expensive. Yes, sign me up. And then there was one closer to my where I actually live. I could drive there. But, in about 20 minutes time that that was very key but like much much like you like my own story comes from like uh the uh, live audio wrestling's uh dan the mouth Levransky. he was kind of like my gateway into japanese professional wrestling getting tapes from him and stuff like that but um you are you're also like a big fan of japanese pop culture you like anime a lot as well yeah i do uh and I, you know i kind of try to bridge them when i do these i do like japanese wrestling panels at anime conventions which i've done for i guess like the last nine years now well where does time go at this point <laughs> but i mean yeah i do these i go to these anime conventions like uh you know otakon and anime boston and some of the bigger east coast ones and you know i just they it, you can apply to host a panel and they give you like a you know they credit your badge and stuff and so i try to like bridge and like teach you know not t- well, introduce like anime fans or people who are more into like japanese pop culture you know into you know introduce them to japanese wrestling and you know, try to get them into that. Cause there's a lot of wrestling fans that go to this thing. And then I found over the years that like, I mean, it's more now obviously you know about Japanese wrestling has just become more popular in the West, but like 2011, they had no idea it even existed. A lot of them, like they'd be like, what Japanese wrestling's a thing. Like that's not just sumo. So, and then they'd be really into it once you show it to them. So yeah, that was like a, that was like a big thing I've been trying to do. But yeah, I've, I've always loved anime too. Like ever since I was pretty much around the same time, I was getting into Japanese wrestling 
uh, like Gundam Wing was airing on Toonami and stuff, and I guess it hooked me for the rest of my life, for better or worse. That you just said Gundam Wing, and now like I'm so happy because that is a very uh, dear and near to me uh, anime as well. I think it was kind of like my gate. My gateway is like a lot of the '70s because I'm older than you, so I was yeah. like mine was like Dangard Ace and like Guy King and and uh, uh, what is it, uh, Grandizer, and then later on it's like Macross, aka Robotech in, in North America, and, and then later on it's like my first Gundam was actually. Gundam Wing, and then I went back to all the Universal Century stuff, and I'm sure people don't want to hear about fucking Gundam <laughs> on, on a podcast about uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, but uh, how about, like, uh, Jushin Liger, t- what does he mean to you as a fan, personally to you, John? Um, I mean, he's just uh, obviously a guy that was already, like, a legend by the time I was getting into Japanese wrestling, but, you know, once I saw all of his famous 90s stuff, you know, I was very, obviously very into him. And then I got to see him I, pretty early on in my wrestling fandom because he came over uh, for that Ring of Honor Weekend of Thunder, which I think was 2004. I should have looked that up before I came on here. It was definitely pretty early on. It was either 2003 or 2004. And, uh, you know, so I saw him at the Rexplex in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And that was like a just a big deal. And just watching everybody just like, you know, react to him like he was some kind of god. Which, you know, he that's just kind of like that was the default reaction whenever a Japanese wrestler came over to Ring of Honor, but he really did deserve it. So, um, and yeah, I've been looking up. I've seen him live, you know, a lot of times, actually, before he retired. You know, I saw him in a bunch of times in Ring of Honor. Uh, I remember he, he came back to Ring of Honor a bunch of times. I remember he one time I saw him uh, against Adam Cole for the Ring of Honor world title at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And not, not really a great match, honestly, but he, at least he was there. You know, I've, I've seen him a bunch of times in Japan for New Japan and stuff. So I've been very lucky in that. Uh, you know, I do consider myself extremely lucky that I've seen him live, you know, a lot. And he's always been one of my, you know, not one of my all-time favorites, but like clearly, I mean, if you're talking about the best junior heavyweights of all time, he's clearly like either number one or number two. I mean, it's either him or Mysterio, right? I think that's pretty much, uh, you know, a pretty close to universal opinion. So, you know, I just consider myself lucky that I got to see even the later, well, you know, like 18 years or whatever. I had to see him live so many times over the course of the last like two decades of his career. So, it's, you know, it's I'm very lucky. And I think he he's he's very versatile, too, which is the thing I think of when I think of him is when he he can either play like a, you know, a total underdog in there against like especially like a, when he was doing the those heavyweight matches, which I think are like severely underrated when he went and he tried to move up to the heavyweight and he was, he was in that, like uh, that combat Liger outfit that he wore against Minoru Suzuki last year, you know, all those matches against like Shinya Hashimoto and, you know, all the other heavyweights. So those are just really un- underrated stuff where he's like this, you know, fighting from underneath underdog, but he can also be like the big bully and the, the veteran bully probably as good as anybody. And he shows it off in the match we're about to talk about here where he's like, you know, just this, you know, the, the, already at this point in 2003, he's already this legend and he's just like, you know, he has this larger than life persona and like, you know, Marafuji and Kenta are just trying to survive these shotes and just get up and, you know, be able to continue the match. So I think he just he can kind of do it all. He can do either one, basically. Well, well on that point, John, maybe it's a good time to introduce the match that we're going to review today. What, what match are we going to talk about on this episode of Thunderstrike? So we're going to talk about one of my favorite matches, which is Jushin Thunder Liger and 
Takahiro Murahama against Naomichi Marafuji and Kenta for the it was the final to the GHC Junior Tag Team Title Tournament on July 16, 2003 in Noah at the Osaka Prefectural Gym. Um, so Liger and Murahama, Murahama is a guy from Osaka Pro. Um, you know, he was teaming up with here. They had beat Kotaro Suzuki and Makoto Hashi in the first round, and then they beat Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Takashi Sugera, which is kind of an incredible team now, or would be an incredible team now, uh, in the semifinals. And meanwhile, Marafuji and Kenta beat the old man team of uh, Mitsuo Momoda and Tsushi Kikuchi, and then they beat Tatsuhito Takaiwa, who was recently in the Liga retirement match, and Yoshihiro Sasaki uh, to get here to the finals. So this was to determine the first ever GFC Junior Tag Team Champions. Uh, Liger was already, at this point, the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champion with uh, Minoru Tanaka, I believe. So, Or not Minoru Jack, I'm sorry, Koji Kanemoto. So, you know, this was like Liger trying to become a double champion with two different partners. Uh, Verifuji and Kenta kind of defending Noah's honor. And, you know, it has that like, it has that real like, um, you know, us versus them vibe that this, everything in this period had and that Noah versus New Japan uh, junior heavyweight feud. But they had, there were so many like, just really cool. Um, like if you, if people have never watched this part of the, this period of Noah and this part of it, like that Noah versus New Japan Junior Feud just had so many great like multi-man tags. And, you know, Liger was always like one of the top guys uh, on the New Japan teams during this feud. And they, they were just like, you know, so many cool matches, you know, between the two junior heavyweight rosters. If anything, a lot more. They, they were a lot more of these junior heavyweight matches than the, the heavyweight rosters ever really uh, crossed over. So, you know, it was a pretty regular feature around this time. And, you know, Liger was definitely one of the standouts of that of that whole feud. I always felt that, you know, of that time period, that New Japan versus Noah junior heavyweight, you know, feud, the, it was easier to book, I think, because, you know, like less political, you know, I guess, like baggage versus like the heavyweights, because like who's going to lose to who? And it's like, oh, this is our mainline guy. This is our main eventer. He's going to beat your main eventer or your mid-card heavyweight dude is not going to beat our upper mid-card heavyweight dude whereas with the juniors it's like they're all mid-card guys for the most part so it's easier to book and i felt that's what gave it such like you know like i don't know uh you know like cachet in terms of like okay anyone can beat anyone like you're not going into this thinking this guy's probably not going to beat this guy like you know any variation of like you know the 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 centerpiece of that feud to me was Kikuchi and Kanemaru when they held the IWGP junior heavyweight tag titles. And like, they were just feuding with all these random tag teams that New Japan would just throw at them to try to get the belts belts off of them. I, I think like, you know, like at any time Kanemaru and Kikuchi could have lost, but at the same time you're thinking, well, these guys are really strong. They could beat them, but, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. And yeah, we're talking about Liger and Murahama. By the way, for those of you who've been keeping track, this is kind of a sequel to episode 10 that I did with uh, Striga from uh, Eastern Lariat, where we talked about Liger and Murahama taking on the team of Black Buffalo and uh, Subasa in Osaka Pro Wrestling. So I'm really glad, John, that you picked this match because like, uh, I had not seen this match in a long time. And I was just like, well, this is, this is great that like we talk about uh, Takahiro Murahama. Like, I, I got to think he's like one of Liger's best tagging partners. Like I put them him like in the top three, up there with like Tiger Mask and with like El Samurai as one of his best tag team partners. Yeah, he was awesome. You know, a guy that like you, you could easily have missed if you weren't watching. You know, around this time because his his career really wasn't that long, especially not as like a peak guy. 
I mean, if you look at like um, like a Wikipedia or something, it'll probably tell you he wrestled till 2009. But if you actually look at it in cage match, like he he's really done in the major leagues by like I think 06, maybe even like 07. And he only started at the very like start of the decade. So, you know, he's it's got a it's a very short window, but he was a he was always a guy I really liked when I when I would see him and you know, he was a he was like a very one of these like serious like shooter types and you know, I think people here Osaka Pro and they have like an image of like a clown or something probably if you especially haven't watched a lot of Osaka Pro but they had plenty of like you know serious wrestlers too and he was definitely like one of the big ones so oh definitely he was like my favorite wrestler when I lived in Osaka in 2000 to 2001 I got to see some stuff at the the Delphin Arena as it was called back then and he was like this guy's different from everyone else. And I was a huge fan of like guys like Subasa and, and Black Buffalo and uh, the guy who would later become uh, Magnitude Kishwada in, uh, in Dragon Gate. But um, yeah, he was, he's great. And he is definitely like one of Liger's best partners here. So let, let, let's get into the match itself, John. So the video starts and Kenta comes out first. And and like Liger and um, uh, Murahama are already in the ring. And he just starts pushing them around. Out next is, <laughs> is, uh, is Marafuji. And, uh, you know, he's got the big pop. He's got the same music <laughs> he uses then. He still uses now. And, and bless his heart, I love that theme song. It's one of the best. I, it's always been one of my favorite wrestling themes too. I love, I love hysteric. Um, the other thing too about you know Kenta, I just wrote down here in my notes like Kenta has literally always been a prick, like pretty much from day one. And if anyone doubts it, they could just watch this match because yeah, he just comes out, and he's already just getting their faces, just shoving them around for no reason. Uh, it's just kind of always been his attitude. So it's not, it's nothing new. I think with him, it's very deliberate. And I, I would imagine it stems from him, his real life personality that he has to prove himself because he's like a smaller guy. And like, I, I'm sure he had asked, he's always had aspirations to be not just a junior heavyweight and not saying there's nothing wrong with being junior heavyweight, but like for a lot of wrestlers, it's like, okay, you either accept it or you think I want to be more than that. I always think Kenta thought I'm going to be more than this and Mar, Mar Fuji as well. But like he, his personality was always larger than his stature. I felt, and and this is how he proved it by just getting the face of whether it was Liger Murahami here, whether it's against Junakiyama, Kenakabashi, Minoru Suzuki. Kenta always had this large enough personality that I think really, you know, complemented his his in ring style and his like amazing work rate. That it, it made him the the star that he eventually would become, even to to this day now. Yeah. I mean, he just he always carried himself like, you know, he he thought he was like, I don't know, six inches bigger than he was. And, you know, if you've ever seen the, the that famous match against Kenta Kobashi from Budokan, where he's just like he doesn't give a shit that it's, he's in there with Kenta Kobashi. He's just running up and kicking him in the face as hard as he can and, you know, basically like egging him on at points. And it's like uh, you're in there with a much bigger man who also happens to be a legend. And you're just, you know, acting like uh you know, you're going to bully, push him around and bully him. That's just how he was, I guess. So what? got to make a, a, a note that this is indeed the, the main event of the show, which I thought was was great to see. Like, you know, uh, they, they, they were in a pretty big arena, Osaka Prefecture Gymnasium, now known as Edion Arena. And they, you know, Noah had the, you know, the, the confidence in, in this match to, like, make it the last match on the show. Also, I think it doesn't hurt that, you know, it's an interpromotional match featuring, you know, someone as as, as famous and as popular as Jason Liger. Um, so we start off with uh, Murahama and uh, Kenta starting for their teams. And right out of the right out of the gate, John, they're, they're just 
beating the shit out of each other. They're lighting each other up with hard slaps and kicks. This is great. This is just what I wanted to see from from a match like this featuring two guys who are really well known for like kind of like their their, their striking ability. Yeah, and he he also like Kenta also like runs over and boots Slager off the apron for no reason whatsoever, which I got a kick out of. He's just gonna do that because he's an asshole, I guess. Uh, and then you know after that point, like Liger, you know Liger tags in, but he even though Kenta like booted him off the apron, he like tosses Kenta right into the corner because the one he really wants is Marafuji, which I thought was like a, a neat little thing where it's like he views Marafuji, I guess, as like his counterpart, not this little prick counter Kenta. I mean, uh, you know they they just they have just met in like an IWGP Junior Tag title match of you know um the previous month i think where liger and kanemoto liger and kanemoto had beaten marifuji and Katara suzuki um you know with the for the iwgp junior tag titles so maybe like that was still like lingering over from that probably is my guess but like yeah liger seemed like he really wanted to get his hands on marifuji well what 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 better way to also like insult kenta by like thinking he's nothing and think i don't want you yeah. i want him even though you kicked me in the face a little prick uh so uh marafuji gets in and they start uh, tangling up liger and marafuji that is uh liger is able to get the advantage with a hard slap that knocks marafuji down he then baseball slides drop kicks marafuji to the outside of the ring uh marafuji gets back in uh murahama tags in and lights up marafuji with these kicks including a rolling savat kick to the stomach that must have sucked john uh i i love like these you know, when you have these natural parents, like it would be like Murahama and Kenta, obviously, and, and Liger and Marafuji. But I like it when, you know, like someone like Murahama gets a chance to get in there with pretty much like the the burgeoning, like new junior heavyweight superstar in the whole scene of, of Japanese professional wrestling in Naomichi Marafuji. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, Marafuji, you could tell, was like the thing here. And he always felt like the the senior member of the team, even though he really wasn't you know, that much uh, older than Kenta at this point. But yeah, it was it was cool just seeing Murahama get to mix it up with him. Uh, and then Kenta and Liger really going at each other throughout the match was awesome too, so. Uh, a headbutt exchange ensues between Marafuji and, and uh, Murahama that uh, that Marafuji wins. And don't worry, folks, it was a safe one. It's not a Shibata uh, headbutt exchange. Uh, Murahama fires back and, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, Kenta tags in and he starts lighting up Mar- uh, Murahama, which, you know, that's going to maybe be a phrase you hear a lot in this match review, <laughs> lighting up people uh, with his own kicks. Uh, Murahama fires back and takes uh, Kenta down. Uh, Liger tags in, chops Kenta in the corner. Uh, Kenta and Murahama basically having like uh, what I call a K1 battle when they're in the ring together here, John. Yeah. You know, they're really just kicking the crap out of each other. And, you know, the kicks look great and they look like they really hurt, which uh, is always what you want to say. Um, you know, and then they, this I guess would be where they end up on the floor and they, you know, they, they kind of like start kicking each other even out on the floor. And then we start the dives. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Kenta tries for a plancha, but misses that one. He, he later goes for a springboard plancha while Murahama has been now placed in the front row among the audience. And he connects with that one. And people forget, like, obviously he doesn't do this stuff now due to, like, you know, the condition of his body and stuff. But he was an amazing high flyer in his own right. Like, he does this beautiful springboard. He The clearance he gets from the ring to the front row is just unbelievable, John. Yeah, he really, like, just jumps all the way into the crowd the landing looked a little bit weird. Like he almost looked like he lands in his arms more than anything. But when, when the jump is that far, like, I guess you can forgive it. 
And then Marafuji kind of, I think, even one-ups him because he does, like, I, right after he does an Asahi moonsault, like, over the barricade, which he had pulled forward, but still, it still looked really impressive when he did, like, over the barricade onto Liger. So that looked really cool. Oh, that's definitely one of the highlights of this match is, like, you're saying, John, the, the yeah. Asahi moonsault. Like, and he's smart. He always pulled that, that ring barrier closer to the ring, so he knew, like... Because he did miss it once. I think it was in a match against Kenta where his chin hit that fucking thing and I was like, oh, oh God, yeah, he's dead. I, I do remember that. That's pretty, that is pretty scary, yeah. But yeah, yeah he's, he's really smart about how he does this and it's just amazing. Like, you know, it, it, you contrast like Marfuji of 2020 to Marfuji back in what, this is 2003 and it's, of course, obviously like there's so much, you know, you know, stress he's put on his body throughout the years with the style that he wrestled but it's always nice to go back to see him when he was this more like daredevil dude and like he's just you can tell why he became like the legend like I, i'm gonna say like i think mara fuji is a modern day legend in japanese professional wrestling to this day yeah he's always a guy that draw that he never gets like the credit for drawing as well as he does like whenever they tr- go to him on top it always does really well but he's like, I think at the point in his career, he just doesn't want to be on top. So that always is going to limit him, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, back in the ring, uh, Kenta has Murahama in uh, head scissors. Mara Fuji hits a double springboard corner dropkick to Murahama while he's tied up in the uh, the Tree of Woe. Uh, the Noah team isolates Murahama and gets the heat on him for an extended period of the match. Uh, uh, Mara Fuji, uh, Murahama reverses his fortunes by knocking Kenta to the outside and and hits a beautiful hold on let me while i change the notes here over the top rope uh with a no touch uh tope Kanhilo. and like again this guy is not super well known for being a high flyer but my god he fucking like like flew like he was a like, great sasuke or something yeah the 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 announcer was very into the no touch aspect of it he just kept screaming it but uh the one thing i wanted to know for two during the during the murahama heat segment before we keep going is like I'm so used to Kenta doing that that move he does where he does the springboard into the ring. Actually, he's going to do like a springboard dropkick or something, but just like lands on his feet and does that like silly little boot scrape. You know what I think? I'm sure everybody listening knows what I'm talking about. They've seen a Kenta match in the last 20 years. But like here, just seeing him actually do a springboard like drop instead on a guy laying there was like, well, he did an actual springboard move. He didn't do the the silly little fake out move. So I think that comes later, doesn't it? Like, does he do it in this match? Maybe I completely missed it. No, but I mean, like, I late, later in his career. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. That's what, so that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, he just hadn't started doing that yet. But uh, so it's just after all these years of seeing him do it, it was a real culture shock to go back and watch him, like, hit an actual springboard leg drop instead of just boot scraping the guy. I think, like, is, uh, this match is obviously during, if people have seen the match, it's during, like, Kenta's, like, uh, gray long boys uh, era. Then he moves into the uh, the two-tone, uh, you know, short pants uh, era, which is, I think, when he starts doing, like, those more dickish moves. Like, he thinks, yeah. I gotta be more of a dick if I gotta be gotta be a bigger star in this in this company filled with guys like Masawa and, and Kobashi and, and, and Junakiyama. Right. So I think he probably that's where he transitions over to doing it. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was funny. So uh, Liger tags it and hits a frog splash. 
Then a massive power bomb, and I, I I felt that he was channeling his former junior horseman teammates uh, in Black Tiger Two and Wild Pegasus because these were like moves that they were known for. Uh, Liger gets uh, Kenta in the Romero special and then transitions into the uh, Dragon Sleeper variation that he's well known for. Uh, Mara Fuji is able to break that up, and uh, just I just thought just some great work from from uh, Liger here. He's not being like overtly. You know, I got to get my shit in. But when he finds the spots to get his shit in, he he gets his shit in and it makes sense, John. Yeah, and he looks like really dominant too, which is good. Like he tags in and he's just like the, he he just looks like he's just destroying these two kids. And, you know, the Noah fans, you can tell they're kind of restless because it's like, you know, this New Japan legend is just going to like run right over our guys. But uh, it really adds to the heat of the match, I think. Uh, Liger gets a rocking camel clutch on Kent, on Kenta, and and this gives Murahama an opening to just start kicking away at, at Kenta's chest. It's like I, I thought Kenta must have owed him money or something like that. The way he was I have to, him. I have to say, I love that shit. Like that that kind of double team, which I feel like we don't see enough of that anymore. Where like one guy is just holding a guy, and the other guy just like you know kicks the crap out of him or just like elbows him and stuff. I've always those are always been my favorite kind of double teams and. I just don't feel like we see enough of that anymore. No, I feel like we're we're now the like the the cutesy uh, psych out, you know, double team era of especially like in independent wrestling and like yeah. you know some other companies we won't talk about. But um, yeah, this yeah, we is gotta, we got to do fifty flips before every double team move in the certain other companies into so. the into the back scratch, right? Is that what we were talking about? But anyways, yeah. not not to get too off the beaten path here. Um, where am I in my notes? Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, so Murahama applies an Indian deathlock and then transitions into a figure four leg lock, and there's a rope break for, from Kenta here. Liger comes in and ties Kenta up in abdominal stretch and turns it into a ground cobra twist pin. Just great. Just, again, you know, one thing that's a constant theme throughout these these episodes john is that you know liker is a super like technical wrestler like this guy is so fucking good like he is one of the best consistently great mat technical wrestlers in the world for the last 30 years and people don't really yeah. talk about it that much yeah he's he's he was always really underrated with all that stuff and his holds you know they, he was very good at like transitioning from one hold to another which is you know you can sometimes can look pretty stupid when other people do it but he he was really good at like getting people, you know, straight out of one move into another move, and you know, really, really good at like mat transitions. So, so, so Marafuji is able to uh, uh, break up that pit attempt, but Liger throws him to the outside hard onto the uh, Noah entrance ramp, which is like, I gotta say, like you know, early days of Noah, that thing is one of the greatest things for like fans to you know see spots off of, but probably one of the worst things for the wrestlers' bodies. <laughs> Well, you remember that Masawa Kobashi match, right? Where they like, did the what the hell was it? it was like a tiger, tiger driver off no, the damn a, thing? Is a, a tiger suplex? He tiger suplex. Yeah, tiger off. suplex. Thank you. I'm like, what the heck? like? That is one of the sickest spots of all times. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm sure the wrestlers were not crying when they retired that thing. Uh, Liger and uh, Murahama do uh, mirror strike spots that that knock both uh, the Noah guys down. Murahama tags Liger in. Liger cuts off the, the Noah tag by knocking Marafuji off the apron. He then proceeds to send Kenta into the corner and follows with a Shotei, with a Shotei palm strike that nearly decapitates poor Kenta here. Yeah, the Shotei, he did where he started like throwing the Shoteis like crazy and it, it kind of becomes a theme for the rest of the match. And uh, yeah, the Shoteis look brutal here. They don't, they, they never looked, I, I feel like they never look as brutal now in the last three years as they did back in the day. Maybe he just got like, 
he he decided to stop like actually hitting people in the face in his old age or something. But like, yeah, he looks like he fuck he freaking kills Kenta here. Oh yeah, like so, uh, this cell job. Like unbelievable. Yeah. He's so good. Uh Liger hits a Fisher and Butter Buster, goes for a pin, one tube, kicks out. Uh Kenta blocks another Shote attempt, hits the spinning DDT that sends a Liger's throat into the top rope. I, I like this DDT. I thought it was one of his really uh really unique and effective uh signature spots that Kenta did back in the day. Uh Kenta then follows up with a springboard drop kick to Liger. So John, back to your point, like he's hitting these legit springboard drop kicks, not these like psych out like dick dick moves that he would do later on in his career. Yeah. The the spinning DDT where he, like the guy lands neck first on the apron and still stands there, that's one of these moves that I feel like, I don't know why someone doesn't steal that now. I'm like, it, it feels like lost to time or something. I'm like, that move is so, it's such a cool little transition move because you end up with the guy who did it out in the apron and the guy who took it like, I don't know, like there's a lot of moves nowadays where, you know, the these guys sell it for too long when they're, when they're standing where it looks kind of hokey and they're like um you know they end up having to stumble around like they're in a video game but like here you know he hits this thing the guy sells it you know liger sells it for like a realistic amount of time you know he just grabs his neck and then kenta immediately transitions into the springboard dropkick so yeah if someone if someone wrestler listen if some wrestler is listening to this they should steal that spinning ddt uh with the guy like uh, like you know, with the neck hitting the apron because that looks really good. Well, why doesn't Kenta bring it back? I mean, it's not like he can do it now. That's true. Someone should let him know. Maybe, maybe he's gonna he's gonna do it against Naito. But by, by the way, just for those people who are keeping track, as of this recording, where where we haven't gotten to the uh, the Tetsuya Naito Kenta uh, IWGP Heavyweight Title match at New Beginning, so maybe by the time this airs, people have, will will be listening to this and thinking, "Hey, he brought it back." <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that, 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 that then we were like seeing the future, I guess. Uh, Marafuji tags in, but Liger gets the advantage on the freshman. Uh, Marafuji reverses a whip and then hits a flying elbow into the corner. It's like one of his signature ones where he like he he's like his opponent's in one corner, he's in the other corner. He strides again, you know, across the ring, and in the middle of the ring, he just leaps into the air and he sends like his elbow, like kind of like his armpit right into the guy, into the, into the corner. I, I love this move from Marafuji. Yeah, I'm glad he still kinds of busts out once in a while to this day, John. Yeah. Uh, and this started like a, right after that, he catches Liger with this like counter drop kick where Liger comes off the top rope. And this starts like this crazy run of like a million, uh, like counter moves. Cause then Liger answers back with this like huge counter power bomb when Marafuji comes off the top. And it's like, this is, this is where the match like really like hits another level for me. Like it was already really good, but this is where it becomes like, you know, fantastic. I think, I think he's trying to counter like Marafuji, I think is going for a jumping top rope, like Frankensteiner. And that's where Liger catches him just, murders him with this power bomb. Uh, Liger follows up with a massive Liger bomb for the one, two, oh, pick kick out. And the, by this point, John, the, the crowd is super fired up for this. And I, I was thinking, because I, I didn't know which arena we were in at first, and then I, I had to look it up, but I thought, are we in Are we in Budokan? Because this is a, a Budokan crowd, so I was like, but no, we're, we're in Osaka, and, and, and fair play, like, I always think of Osaka as being more of a New Japan town, but my god, these people were super into, like, the, the Noah guys, and the, both, and, and Liger and Murahama, but mainly these people are Noah fans through and through. Yeah, and then, like, you know, Liger at this point, you know, he does, like, the first real, like, sit-out Liger bomb in the match, and it also gets two, 
And then this is where, like, the announcer just starts yelling, like, uh, Marifuji Abunai, like, over and over again, like, basically saying Marifuji's in danger. And, you know, Liger hits these two straight brain busters, and, you know, the crowd is, like, the crowd is, like, really, like, to your point, just, like, living and dying here and just, like, hoping to God Marifuji can somehow kick out of this. And, uh, you know, obviously he would not have kicked out of two straight frame busters, but Kenta just, like, manages to stumble into the ring at the last possible second and just kind of, like, barely dive over and break it up. So this is just an amazing near fall. And the start of, like, you know, these Marifuji and Kenta uh, run of junior tags where they, they'd have these amazing, like, uh, you know, closing stretches with these crazy near falls. So Well, just on a side note here, John, I'm going to go on a tangent. Like, you brought up the Japanese announcing. And, and this is a good match, like, to, to kind of illustrate the point that I want to make right now is that I, I don't understand these people. Like, okay, I do understand the point that people make. I, if it doesn't have English commentary, I can't get into it. It's like, you know what? I went, like, 20-plus years without any English commentary, and, and I was fine. And, like, I live in Japan now, so my Japanese is way better. But at the time, no, I didn't speak a lick of Japanese, but I didn't need to. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would feel that you're probably the same way as me. Like, it, it's nice to have it. Don't get me wrong. I, it's useful, and I, and it definitely it helps with the marketing of Japanese wrestling. They have English commentary. But to me to say, like, I can't get into wrestling if there's no English commentary on it. It's such a, I don't know, entitlement. It's such a narrow, myopic viewpoint of how to watch anything, it, it, I feel. Yeah, it's very stupid. I mean, I, I can't really disagree with you at all. I usually do. I, I try to watch New Japan in English just to, like, I feel like because most of the Western fan base does now, and it, and it helps you connect with them, you know, if you watch what they're watching and stuff like that. And I do think Kevin Kelly and, uh, you know, and all of them do a, do a really good job now, but if it went away tomorrow, it's not like I would stop watching or anything. And, you know, everything else I watch is only in Japanese. It's just, you know, I, I we, we, I, you and I, you know, grew up with it. So it's not like, I, 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 under, I, I can understand the people who only grew up in like a, a you know, English commentary world, but like that, that wasn't even an option for us. So it's not like it was something I ever thought of. It's just like, okay, I want to watch Japanese wrestling. Obviously I'm going to watch it in Japanese and, you know, and they, they, the, the, like the screaming and stuff like that would sound that I think would probably sound pretty hokey in English. And, you know, if you want proof that it would sound hokey in English, just go watch, uh, <laughs> Gabe Sapolsky. Yeah. Gabe Sapolsky's ring of honor commentary <laughs> where he's trying to yell. I mean, look, he's, he yelled dangerous, which is what this Japanese announcer just yelled that I brought up. And, you know, I'm sure that's where he got it from. And he's trying to sound like a fucking Japanese announcer, but I'm like that. It doesn't work in English. I don't know what to tell you. It doesn't work the same way in English. It just sounds kind of fucking super in English. Right. So, just one more point on this tangent, and then we'll get back to the match. I promise. <laughs> but Gabe Slavowski, Jimmy Bauer, what, whatever the fuck his gimmick names were, it was a shit announcer. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you this right now. Like, you can argue about his booking, good or bad, whatever. I'm gonna tell you objectively, he was a shit announcer. But anyways, yeah, he was very bad. <laughs> back to the match. Uh, Marfuji from this awesome, like, like you're saying, back and forth exchanges. Marfuji escapes a top rope brain buster from Liger. He then hits a super kick on Liger, but Liger fires back with another shote. Uh, Murahama and uh, Kenta then tag in. Kenta hits a flurry of kicks, and he gets he knocks uh, Mur- Murahama down for the one-two. Uh, Kenta hits a fisherman buster of his own for a one-and-two, and, and this and this match is just like in like the next fucking gear it's it's redlining here john it's um it's an amazing pace and these guys have been working hard for like the first half of this match as well yeah i don't want to mention a couple things from the, the spots you just talked about first of all when marifuji like gets out of that top rope brain buster 
like he the way he like twists out of it in midair looks so cool. And again, it's not normally how you see people counter like a, a superplex nowadays. It's like he twists out in midair and like just lands on his feet and it, it looks really good. Um, it's a little, I guess a little hard to describe unless you actually see it, but it looks really good. And then Kenta, when he, when Murahama like and Kenta both tag in, Murahama tries this like spinning kick that he'll eventually, I think he might hit already. He, he definitely will hit it later, but Kenta like catches him in midair and like just drops him with this, like almost like this impromptu half power bomb. That looks so cool. So this whole sequence, yeah, just, just absolutely amazing. Um, you know, and Kenta, they, they, this is like right where we get the twenty minute call. So to your point, they're they're like really they've been going hard this entire time, other than a couple little brief, uh, you know, heat segments. And you know they get they, the the Kenta does the fisherman buster for two. He does like this other. He tries another strike combo, and Murhama basically ducks and then hits like his own slaps and spinning kick, and then uh, his own brain buster for two. And this is like this really good like standing foot sequence that leads to a really cool German from Murhama for another near fall. Um, and then he like, out, out of nowhere, he starts like really kicking the shit out of Kenta's arm and like hits this really cool looking, like rolling arm takedown straight into a Kimura. Uh, but Kenta makes the ropes after a brief struggle, which the crowd is really into that submission struggle. And then I don't like later on, Noah crowds would get a reputation for not like being into submissions at all because they never, I mean, if you watch early to like, I don't know, like the start of Noah to like, like the end of the decade, probably like submissions were very rarely involved in like these big matches. And the same goes all the way back to like the all Japan, uh, you know, Royal road era, like the nineties. So it just, the crowd just wasn't, you know, educated on them, but I, this crowd was really into the submission. Cause I used to remember when, when Noah would start trying to do them and like the crowd wouldn't give a shit. Like this crowd really was into this Kimura. So, well, I, mean, I don't know if it was because it, of... it's in Osaka, John. So like they, I would expect you to say a lot of these people had gone to see Murahama in, in like Osaka pro matches. And, you know, they, they like, it's not like Tokyo, like, you know, like where Tokyo, you can be a fan of just one promotion and you'll get your wrestling fix. I, I do feel like in a place like, you know, Osaka or, or cities like Fukuoka or Nagoya that, you know, people, if you're a wrestling fan, you're going to have your favorite promotions. But if you have a chance to go see wrestling live you, and, it's, and it's good wrestling, you're, you're probably going to go get go watch it, enjoy it, enjoy it as well. But not might not be your favorite promotion, but you'll still enjoy it. You'll you'll get familiar with some of these people. And like Osaka Pro was actually, you know, really popular in the city of Osaka yeah. itself. So I, I got to imagine a lot of people were like had seen maybe Murahama tap people out with this Kimura lock. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's probably a good explanation. But uh, yeah, they were really into the submission here. Uh, um, oh, so can Oh, you can go ahead. Oh, so uh, Kenta escapes the, uh, the the camera and gets a dragon screw leg whip and uh, tags Marafuji in. Marafuji hits double knees to Murahama in the corner. Uh, he sets Murahama up in the tree of woe and prepares for a springboard coast to coast, but uh, Liger cuts him off with a capo kick while he's preparing for that, which I just thought was an awesome spot. Yeah, I mean, like Liger just like just runs over and just like decks him and it just looks so fucking cool and it's again like the the entire um you know like fishing stretch here it's going on and on and on but just like never stops and then kenta like at this point runs in right after that and like this time ducks the shote and then like wipes like out with almost like a shote of his own the crowd is going nuts at this point because they finally saw their guy get one up on uh you know jushin, jushin liger like pretty much beat the crowd out of them all match so 
Uh, Murahama hits Kenta with a jumping, spinning back kick that I thought was just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Marafuji hits Murahama with a super kick, but uh, Murahama fires back with his own set of kicks onto Marafuji. Uh, Kenta uh, ducks a double shote from Liger and Murahama, hits Liger with the signature slap chop, back chop, Busaiko knee combo to a big pop. I, I When I first saw him do this, I like jumped out of my seat. I can vividly remember like the reaction I got the first time he did this combo, John. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was like one of the big moves, you know, in wrestling was just this, this like the strike combo. And like, you know, if you went to indie shows in America in this time period, like you would just see a million wrestlers like ripping Kenta off. <laughs> he was a very, a very popular wrestler to steal from at the time. You, you see people try and this, uh, you know, chop, chop kick. And then like the, the flying knee combo. And I can, so, I can remember. I used to, I used to watch, he did it to Makoto Hashi. He did it the first time I ever oh, saw yeah, yeah. it was to Makoto Hashi, who was a great <laughs> seller, the perfect person to do that, that to test that out on. Yeah, I mean, I could, I mean, I'm sure that what that did look perfect. I was just gonna say, like, you can imagine how bad some of the American indie people trying to steal at the time looked, but uh, you know, you definitely saw a lot of it at the time. Oh, so we're we're getting close to the finish of the match. John, take us out. What what happens from this point to 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 the to the finals of this match? So Marafuji hits like a super kick on Murahama and they do the doomsday Bushiaku knee kick on him, which I'm not sure if this is the de- this was the debut of that. But, uh, you know, that would sort of not go on to be the finish they would use. They, the finish they would use is more that that doomsday Shurinai powerbomb combo thing, which they didn't do here. But that uh, that kind of becomes their signature junior tag team finish. But, yeah, they hit that on Liger or they hit that on Murahama. I mean, Liger dives in the save. And then Marafuji finally hits a shooting star press on Murahama for the pin at 24-27. So Marafuji and Kenta, of course, become the first ever GHC Junior Tag Team Champions. And they would go on to have a, I believe, an 18-month reign. So a very, very long reign with these titles. I thought it was a nice touch that he used the shooting star press in a match against Liger. Not on Liger himself, but definitely a little bit of a fuck you to Liger there. Yeah, I thought it was it was like a message for sure. And you think you think this was building? Oh, I wow! I I way undershot that actually. It was almost two years exactly. The Amerifugian Kenta tag title reign. It went from this date until June fifth, two thousand five. Oh, this is I I I love the GAC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles. Not not always, but like more in its history. Like I've liked the champions and the matches involved with those titles. You know, a lot more than say the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles. Like especially in the last I don't know like you know five to seven years of the of the existence of those belts. But um, yeah, th- that such a great team, and there it's just you know just a nice way to cap off a really fun tournament overall. I remember watching these when they made DVD and and getting them from like my guys. Like this would include like uh, the, the infamous uh, Jeff Lynch, who is a great source for for getting Japanese wrestling, um, and just just they won the tournament, they won the match, they won the tag team titles. The, the, there's you know there's some poetry i felt to using liger's own move to 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 beat his team in this and just just a great you know example like if you bring it back to liger it's a great example of liger using his star power to give the rub not only to like kenta and marafuji but to murahama as well because he didn't make himself the star of the match he needed to be he was in there when he needed to be he didn't overstay his welcome he let murahama have a lot of shine against these two and definitely he went out of his way to just like make sure like everyone realized how great, 
you know, both Kenta and Naomichi Marufuji are. And like, you, you felt it was kind of like a passing of the torch to these, to these guys, especially to Marufuji. Yeah. And you'd think it was building to like some kind of big, like Marufuji Liger showdown, but they really, they wouldn't have a singles match for like six more years, six and a half years. Cause their, their first singles match was uh, the first round of the 2009 super J cup, which is like December of that year. So you're talking six and a half years later to finally have a singles match, which Marufuji would win. And, you know, then they had another one in April 2010 uh, for the IWGP junior title when Marufuji was champion, and he won that one as well. And that's it for Marufuji and Liger singles matches. So, but yeah, it would take a long time to finally get that singles match. All right. Before we, we wrap up the show, John, I want to get, like, your final thoughts on, like, I kind of want to get your thoughts about the, the Liger retirement, like how you think that it was handled and what, what did you overall think about like maybe his last two matches? Um, I, the first one I thought was like close to as good as it could have possibly gone. I mean, that was like, you know, all the old guys in there and everybody looked good and nobody, nobody embarrassed themselves. And, you know, even Fujinami as old as he was, like really looked awesome for the two seconds he was in the ring. And, uh, the second night I, I kind of think it was a little underwhelming, but, um, you know, that's, that's just Liger, I guess. That's how he wanted to go out was, uh, you know, putting over the next generation, but you know, that tag match, I mean, it was, it's not like it was bad or anything, but it just, it very much just felt like a match, you know, like it never felt like a, like, this is it for Liger. This is the retirement match. I would have maybe reversed the two of them and maybe done the tag match on night one and done the big, you know, that night one, that night one eight man tag or all the legends and everything that to me felt way more like a, like a fitting end and like a really cool way to you know end his career than that night two tag went. So, but I, I mean I guess you couldn't do it because Hiromu was obviously busy on night one. But if there was some way to reverse you know the cards and have that you know have those two matches be reversed, I think it would have come off a lot better. Well, if you could have booked it, would you have done like a singles match with like maybe with Hiromu? I I would even think for me I would have done a singles match either with Hiromu, uh, one last chance at the you know IWGP uh, Junior Heavyweight Title, but he of course wouldn't win. But or I would I would have had to do a match with Osprey because he wasn't doing anything on night two either. Yeah, I mean maybe you could have just done Liger versus the winner. I mean that put, that would have made sense. You know Liger is like one last shot against whoever wins her own or Osprey. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, the, I, it, that would have been like, sort of like, you know, of course, Liger's not going to win, which is maybe the problem, but that still, I think would have been a better way to end his career than that tag match. It just really wasn't anything, but the retirement ceremony the next night was like, you know, really beautiful and really moving. So I thought that at least it really went out on a, on a high note. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm glad they they didn't do anything like where where Kenta came out or 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 someone came out to ruin it for for him or anything like that. I'm just glad they gave him a nice ceremony and he went out and everyone was happy in that building and, and including myself. Um, so John, thank you so much for doing uh, this episode of Thunderstruck. If more people want to find out uh, or or find more of your work, where can they find you? So Wrestling Omakase is the podcast I host every week. It is a, a weekly uh, rotating guest co-host podcast. So we have on all kinds of people from Voices of Wrestling, mostly Voices of Wrestling contributors and occasionally other people too. Um, I'm probably going to ask you to do the show now since I came on this, but uh, we'll see I'll if be, I can. More, more, I'd be more than happy to do it, yeah. 
it, all right, awesome. it's, it's a great show. Like, I just wanted people to tell you, like, you know, like one thing is like I I do a monthly show with John Pollock, and and we try to cover basically the the, the big kind of the big beats and happening in the, the month of, of of Japanese professional wrestling. John does this every week. They 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 cover everything. I'm telling you, like, if you want to know everything from like from like New Japan for wrestling down to like Dragon Gate down to fucking six six six, you know, like probably John John's gonna cover that shit. So like, you know, give <laughs> give give Omakaze a listen. You're you're not gonna come out of that thinking, wow, I I I know less about professional wrestling in Japan. You're gonna say, oh shit, I know more about professional wrestling in Japan. Definitely give it a listen over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. And you do a lot of writing as well. Like I'm always impressed with the amount of writing you do for for the site as well. Yeah, I do all pretty much all the New Japan like roundtable previews. Um, you know, I do some occasional columns, but mainly, you know, I do the New Japan uh, previews for the show. I know right now, well, it's not going to matter by the time people listen to this, but like, yeah, pretty much any time there's a New Japan show coming up, I'm on the preview. Um, you know, and I do a lot for the New Japan ebook. You know, I do a lot of the profiles in that ebook, and you know, which you can still purchase right now, voiceofwrestling.com. Uh, but yeah, you know, I try to keep, I keep busy, I guess, but Omakase, like, I don't think we've ever covered triple six and I feel bad, but I mean, it's, it's in the it's, future, John, like, it's in the future, it's in the future, but yeah, we do a lot. We, we cover pretty much all the big new Japan shows. Uh, you know, we cover all Japan, all their biggest shows, Noah. Uh, I think we're, we're very well known. I think for our DDT coverage, we always cover the monthly Corkins and all the other big shows. Uh, we cover Joshi, you know, I always try to do um you know at least a few joshi episodes a year and you know cover the big joshi shows and uh you know include them in the year in review and the year in review episodes i want to mention too because that's one of the big things we do every year where you know for the last like six weeks of the year you know we block off those six weeks to do you know here's one episode that's going to be ddt year in review here's one that's new japan Uh, we even did a wwe one which uh People were very amused by apparently, so people liked, enjoyed that, enjoyed us burying WWE's year, I guess. But yeah, we do like, you know, like each one will have a certain promotion or type of wrestling. We do a Joshi year interview. So if you missed anything from 2019 and you want to go back and watch stuff, uh, we have that whole series up so you can catch up with, you know, DDT or New Japan or Joshi or, you know, um, we had like an other Puro episode. Where we did like All Japan, Big Japan, Noah. So definitely check those out if you missed anything from 2019 and want to catch up. And where can so. people uh, find you on social media, John? Um, oh, God, I, I have to spell out my terrible username, I guess. Uh, it is T-O-S-H-A-N-S-H-U-I-N-L-A. Uh, and you can also follow my podcast instead, which is honestly a way better follow than me. Uh, at Russell Omakase, so not wrestling. No, John, I gotta say, no, I love your Twitter. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I love it because like you get so many people angry at you, and I'm just like, yes, do it. Get people angry. <laughs> I love it. No, like it to me. Like if people don't, I think people have to kind of understand you. Like people have to understand like listening to Omakase or or follow you long enough on Twitter to understand. Okay, I know the tone of what John is trying to say. <laughs> and I, I, I'll be honest. Like at first I was like, what the fuck? What's this guy saying? What's this person saying? Like I don't fucking get it. And then and then I realized, oh, I understand John now. And I and then from there on, I was like, I love John's Twitter. It's great. It's it's very entertaining for me to 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 follow you on Twitter and just see some of the battles you get into. It's like yes, yes, yes. The replies. I have a very, I have a very like dry and like sarcastic sense of humor. So people sometimes don't really uh, understand what they're replying to and get very angry. But uh, 
you know, what can you do? Eh, That's how Twitter. There's a there's a there's a, a word in Japanese. It's, it's shogunai can't be helped, right? So, anyways, yes, exactly. <laughs> shogunai. Anyways, thank you, John. Thank you so much. I thought this is a, a great t- uh, talk. I hope to do something with you in the future, whether it's me appearing on Omakase or you appearing on my uh, future project that's uh, still hush hush right now. We'll announce it soon uh, as of this recording. But uh, in the meantime, thanks. Uh, give John a follow. Listen to Wrestling Omakase. You can follow me at wh park nine on Twitter. And until the next episode, I'm going to say to everyone, goodbye. <laughs>